Welcome back to the Mandate Podcast, a podcast where we encourage people towards deeper relationship through meaningful conversation. A podcast where you'll get to know people from the 605. Here's our latest episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Mandate Podcast. I am here uh, as your host today, Ryan Kahn's, and Ben Karush is off. We gave him the day off today, so uh, we're going solo today. But today, I've got a great friend of mine, Ryan Bach and Rachel Bach, uh, great friends, I should say. And we go to church together. We've had uh, history. Our, our kids grew up in the same daycare together, so really excited to have these guys on today. So Ryan and Rachel, welcome to the Mandate Podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah thank you. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, just maybe give a 10,000 foot view of who you are and just kind of your background. You want me to go? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, we're both from Beersford. Um, We've kind of been, lived a few different places all over, uh, Sioux Falls, T, Grand Forks for a little while. Um, We've got four kids, uh, ages 11, eight, five and three and a half we've got to make sure we get the half in there um but yeah i'm in the insurance business rage is a physical therapist um yeah that's about it that's all that's that <laughs> yeah yeah are we done so yeah yeah that's yeah. it all let's right. wrap thanks for being here <laughs> uh i apologize i was actually changing our time or it's going by beats in that time. So since we're not recording music, I thought time would be more effective. So oh, yeah. sorry about that. Um, so we uh, we obviously met at Grandma Joe's daycare. Happy birthday to Grandma Joe as we're recording yes. on March right. 6th today. 6th today, it's her birthday. So, mm-hmm. And she's watched my three kids and your beautiful four children. So um, just maybe a quick family background. And uh, maybe, were you two in high school when you met? Yes, so I was two years younger than Ryan. Okay. And um, I went to Dakota State to school, and Ryan went to USD. And I would see him, you know, holiday breaks and yeah. such, and thought, well, he needs to grow up a little bit <laughs> before I could ever date him. And then, um, of course, I move away further to uh, PT school up in Grand Forks, and then we uh, kind of reconnected over Christmas break, and the rest is history. So um, started dating, and like Ryan said, we've got four kiddos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you're in insurance now, but I understand you are are working in the family business, which is Rachel's family business. Yes. Or or I should say your father-in-law and your brother-in-law. So what what are those dynamics like? So it's interesting. uh, You know, I don't know. When when we were living in Grand Forks, I was working on the road and I was traveling four days a week. Okay. And with uh, Rachel trying to go to uh, PT school as well as uh, raising a young baby uh, because... Mm -hmm. We had Phoenix at that time. Um, my father-in-law asked me if I'd be interested in opening an office in Sioux Falls. I said, no, no way. I'm not working for my father-in-law. Um, <laughs> but he's such a great guy. He's been a wonderful mentor, and um, it's, it's really been really been a blessing for sure. Good. So how many years have you been with Jensen Insurance? Just about 10 now, I think. 10? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, we've been in Sioux Falls for about that long, and um, yeah, it's been, it's been good. Very good. Especially Very the good. last seven or eight. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, obviously at some point he grew up 
Yeah. And it worked out. So, <laughs> right. yeah. and we're still here today. That's right. <laughs> so the bigger picture, uh, to the, you know, one, one thing that we wanted to talk about is your testimonies, the, the background that you, you two have had over the past, you know, seven to 10 years. Um, and just kind of where that's brought you today. So, um, just, I guess, I suppose maybe start from the beginning and just talk about your testimony and, uh, and why we're here today. Sure. Um, yeah, so I, you know, growing up in Beersford in a small town, um, got a great family, uh, real tight knit family down there. Um, I was kind of always the wild man. Um, you know, I was the Eddie Haskell. Uh, in fact, I, I talked to a friend of mine who ran into my old principal, uh, at the basketball game last night and he said, oh my gosh, <laughs> that guy could get out of trouble like you can't believe. And anyway, and I did, unfortunately that, uh, carried into, uh, college and after college, which I was, you know, I just, I, I love to party. I love to have fun. And, um, and I, I just never really grew up after college. A lot of my friends, you know, they went to college and, and afterwards they got a job and got married what have you. And the party scene kind of slowed down a little bit for them. And it really never did for me. Um, and I, and some people drank, um, some people drank because they felt like they had to, you know, they have to just to feel normal or what have you. Um, I was, I just did it because I loved it. I, yeah. I loved the, I loved the party scene. I loved the atmosphere. Um, you know, just to just to get a buzz, you know. And so um, that was in college, uh, or excuse me, after college. I um, I just kind of kept doing that and had a couple different jobs, and um, we didn't start dating till. Well, well, after I was out of college, um, and so once, I, long time ago, I knew I had a, I was different than than you know anybody else that I was with, even my college roommates and and people I hung around with. I just I would be the first one to start drinking and the last one to stop, um, and I just some people would be like, well, we're only going to have a couple tonight because we got a test tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. right. I'm just going to keep her going, you know, type yeah. of thing. Um, and in college, you can get away with that, right? I mean. Oh yeah, whatever box, just having a good time. Um, but after college, it, it continued for a while, and um, then we got married and had a kid, and um, it became less fun. It became more of a um, like I feel like I have to kind of do it to uh, I don't know, it's not fit in. I mean, I never struggled with a lot of anxiety or depression or things like that, um, but it was just kind of I just did it, and I knew it wasn't right uh, to drink as much as I was. So then it went from there to, um, oh, I'm, now i got to hide it because I don't want my wife to know that, right. you know, I'm drinking this much. And it started causing a fair amount of problems with um, our marriage. Um, but I, I chalked it up to, you know, I've, well, I've just got a wife that's badgering me all the time and I can get away with it, you know, get away with it type of thing. Um, then when I started hiding it more and more and more, I just, I always knew, like I, I started looking at the mirror and I'm like, man, I just, I just don't like who I'm seeing <laughs> everybody around me. Um, most people around me probably had no idea, um, that, that I was in kind of a dark place at that time. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was really a, a lonely time, uh, for me, even though I was talking to Rach earlier, you know, it was, even though I was surrounded by a lot of people, I just didn't. I couldn't let anybody in. I couldn't let anybody right. see the full, right. full thing, or I'd be outed, you know. And so, um, I was really cautious on on who I let see 
what, if that makes right. sense. And also, I mean, it, you know, you're a happy-go-lucky guy. You're an outgoing person, extrovert. I would imagine that probably gave you a little bit more leeway because at some point, just like, well, you know, he's happy. Like, you know, he's from a social standpoint. I mean, even as long as I've known, you've always been just kind of a charismatic individual. So, yeah. So, I mean, it came. What I found with drinking, it was like it was accelerated, if you will. Um, And looking back now, I'm thinking, man, I was that obnoxious one. I, I, I realize I don't need to be drunk to be social and to have fun yeah. and whatnot but but back then it was it was easy to write off well i mean the insurance business and he's just yep. an extrovert social butterfly and that's just what he does and you know it works but um it wasn't working uh for for quite a while but um and you would be able to quit for short periods of time you okay. know it was an issue and then i would say okay like this is out of control okay he says i'll show you that i can stop so he would stop for you know, 30 days while he was also working on the road. So that was tough too. Sure. I didn't know what went on after I went to bed at nine o'clock at night, what was <laughs> right. going on on the road right. during the week. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So, so from that perspective, um, at what point did it become, I have a problem that I can shift around this for 30 days or I can at least make Rachel feel like I'm, I'm good to the point where this is actually going to be more of an issue than what I can handle on my own. Yeah. So, um, we were, we were, um, uh, at a company party, which happened to be at my brother-in-law's house. Um, and I played in a golf tournament that day and, and it was starting at seven, eight o'clock in the morning to, I think I, probably got down there around four or five in the afternoon but I'd been drinking all day long mm-hmm. and um you know with my buddies out the course everybody was so it, you right. know that's just what was going on well then I kept going and we get down to my brother-in-law's place and I was in charge of cooking and so you know anytime you're grilling I felt like it was impossible to grill without having a cocktail yeah. or something and um so <clears throat> that night um I think I just kept going and it kept getting worse and worse and worse and pretty soon um i do the about the last thing i remember from that night was Rach trying to get me to go home at probably 10 o'clock or so um i don't remember exactly but you had to golf the next morning i had to golf so the next morning yep yep yeah gotta get you home so you can get back to that golf tournament <laughs> yeah and uh so i the last thing i remember was sitting on a gravel road um where she stopped and I said some just horrible, horrible things um, to her and uh, about uh, my situation, I guess you could say. I mean, I said some terrible things um, that I, I, I'll never be able to take back. And they still kind of make me cringe a little bit, um, even though it's been a long time. Um, but it was so then she dropped me back off and then I, I made just a complete fool of myself, um, in front of a bunch of people that I work with, my family, uh, you know, um, uh, one of my, one of my, uh, brother-in-law's, uh, good buddies. I mean, so it was really, really pretty bad. Um, and I, I didn't know about it until the next day. I woke up on a, on a couch, uh, at my, my buddy's couch at, which is like five miles from where this party was at. And, like, huh, this is interesting. I don't know how I wound up here. And uh, Ben was waking me up, and he's like, hey, we gotta, I'll, I'm going to give you a ride back. I'm like, oh, where's, what, where's Rach? 
well, yeah, it got a little out of hand, you know, and um, so I was like, oh, this isn't good. But even then, it didn't hit me at that point. Um, we were on the way back to to Sioux Falls. We lived in Sioux Falls at the time. He was going to drive me off the house so I could get to the golf tournament. And he just kind of, in a nonchalant, non-interrogation uh, type way, asked me if, um, yeah, he's like, hey, have you ever, you ever thought about slowing down a little bit? And I'm like, immediately what I've done forever is when somebody asks me that it's the, the the walls go up and now I get into fight mode well you were you were drinking last night too right like, well yeah I know but you know it seems like maybe going a little hard and might not be good Rachel's is gonna be pretty mad at you I think and uh, well she'll get over it type of thing you know yep. um, and that was just my mentality and so it didn't even hit me until that afternoon um, when I got to the uh, to the golf course, I got done golfing. I sat down to have another beer with the guys afterwards, and um, I just felt sick. I knew it wasn't good. I couldn't yeah. get a hold of Rage. She wasn't responding, and I just thought, well, I might have really, I might have really done it this time. Um, and you know, in that s- stage, usually I could at least get like a mad text, you know, or right. something. Yep. But <laughs> there was, um, which I can deal with, right? I, like right. I just need something to deal with. Um, but there was kind of radio silence for a little while. Um, and, but I just knew deep down, I just thought, uh, something has got it. This is no way to live. Yeah. And so I, I put my beer down. I had about I had two or three drinks out of it and I set it down. I got up and I told my buddies that I was with, I said, I got to go. I'm going home. So you had, had the no golf tournament at this time and then you get up and go. Yep. Yep. And then I went home to an empty house and, um, I just, at that point I decided it, it's over. You know, there's no more of this lying. I'm just exhausted from it, lying how much I'm drinking or, you know, what I'm doing. And um, at that point, I just, I really knew that it was different this time than the other times. I just Mm -hmm. did it to buy time. Um, This time was, you know, it was, it was over. And at that point you had a conversation with your dad as well, right? Yeah. So, yep. So the the next morning um, I laid, I just laid downstairs uh, the rest of the afternoon and night and, Mm -hmm. and. Um, I didn't know what to do. I just, I had no idea where to go, who to talk to. You know, my dad had quit drinking like 38 years ago now or so. Um, so I knew he'd be helpful, uh, mm-hmm. but I also didn't want to have to call and admit to him that, right. you know, dad, I'm, I got a problem too, you know? Um, so I called him the next morning. Um, and that was really hard. You know, I've, I've always looked up to my dad. He's been my hero. Um, but it was really hard to, to actually vocalize that hey I, I do have a problem I need your help yeah. more so than just like hey I'm I need some fatherly advice I need you like or somebody or some direction on what to do here um and so he was crying I was crying and um he, he was like I've been hoping for this call for so long you know and and I was like oh, man I don't well here it is I don't, I don't know what to do um so yeah it was kind of a pretty tough time yeah yeah and Rachel, at, at this point, you're, I mean, probably in a headspace of not sure what the next step is, the next phase is. So tell me where, you're, where are you at at this point? Um, at that point, um, I had talked to close friends mm-hmm. about it. Um, but the thing about being married to an alcoholic is you don't ever want to admit it to anybody right. because 
my family will judge me, they will judge him, they will have a skewed view on my husband. Um, so that was hard. It was, you know, I just had a few close friends that I talked to, um, the times where he would quit drinking for 30 days or things would get bad and I would take the kids and leave. You know, I always ended up coming back. Um, but going back to God's timing is so perfect. Yeah. Um, that weekend we were down in Beersford and I was staying at my parents' house and had a conversation, finally told my dad um, what exactly was going on. And I, at that time, and I've said this before, I'm never going back. I'm not going to go back. Um, but this time it was, nope, you know, it was the last try. I told my dad, um, I'm getting a lawyer. We're getting a divorce. Mm-hmm. This is it. Um, so the kids and I stayed at my parents' house for a couple of days. And for whatever reason, I just knew this was the last time um, Ryan had contacted a couple facilities on where do I go from here? Do I do inpatient rehab? Do I do outpatient rehab? What do I do? Um, you had even reached out to my dad. I know I talked to him about it and that was the first of, of those steps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to get back into our conversation with Ryan and Rachel. Thank you. We are proud to have our first sponsor on the Mandate Podcast, Origin Health. What is Origin Health? I feel like Origin and I am called to just to love the patient as they are in that moment, in that season of life. And we help them in whatever way we can. What kind of treatments can you get when you step into Origin Health? So I provide the chiropractic care in our office. So making joints move better so the muscles don't have to work so hard so that you can move through your life the way you see fit. Uh, my partner in Origin Strength, Rory and Kelly Witt, they assist people with nutrition and weight loss and performance nutrition, depending on the patient's goals, helping them gain muscle, lose fat, feel better, recover quicker, thrive through life. We have also partnered with Dr. Jessica Dale of Rerooted Wellness to provide acupuncture and other needling services. And lastly, my beautiful bride, Kelsey Moen, is going to be providing soft wave ultrasound therapy to our patients who are struggling with chronic joint issues, acute joint issues that don't seem to be going away. Last question. Why are you choosing to partner with Mandate Podcast? I am an avid Mandatee and appreciate that Ben and Ryan are just trying to help people. That is the, at the heart, that is what Origin Health exists to do, help people. You can find Origin Health here in Sioux Falls. Their phone number is 605-799-2440. Or find them online at originhealthsf.com. Now, back to the show. All right, we are back uh, with Rachel and Ryan Bach. Um, So just picking up where we left off, at this point, um, obviously you're having conversations with your parents, Rachel, and also ends up being, you know, the, the extra layers of having working with family and all this. So, um, so the next steps, uh, you are looking at treatment centers or looking at different options. So, so what did that part of the relationship look like or the conversation look like? Yeah. So I, um, I just knew, like I said, something needed to, to give me, so I had some couple of difficult conversations, you know, talking to my dad, of course, and then, um, talking to Rachel's dad was, was really hard too because yeah, yeah. here I have to apologize and I you know I just felt awful for the quite frankly the hell that I had that I had put his baby through you mm-hmm. know 
um, and that still haunts me a little bit, um, you know, to, to this day. But, uh, um, but yeah, it was – so I just started looking up different um, different options, you know, is it rehab, is it whatever. So I went to Tallgrass. Um, I just – I got an appointment to go have an evaluation done. And I've had a few different evaluations done in, in the – years past um when i've you know when i was in high school or college i got a minor or something you had to okay. do an alcohol yeah. evaluation well anybody with a you know a pulse can tell them what they want to hear on a lot of those and i know they can read through most of it yeah. they're really really good um, but i decided i was going to answer this honestly and if they recommended i go to rehab i'm going to rehab if they recommend outpatient i'm doing that um, at that time i'd already gone to an aa meeting okay um and it was terrifying you know i've, I've had this stereotype like I think a lot of and that's one of the reasons why I think we were wanted to kind of share our story a little bit is is the stigma behind alcoholism or addiction is you know you have to be a homeless person you know drinking a 40 on the side of the road or something yeah. like that well it's, it's just absolutely not true um, and so I was really scared going in there um, of, of what I was going to find and um, really I was shocked when I walked in there wasn't a bunch of three-header monsters they were just super nice welcoming people um that i sat in the way back it happened to be a packed house that day um at, and so i found a chair way in the back right of the kind of by the bathroom at south side and uh the guy that started the meeting said anybody is 24 hours sober and i was like i'm not raising my hand you know no way <laughs> <laughs> and so i sat back there and i didn't raise my hand he waited a while i was like oh this is kind of getting to be that awkward silence time so I reluctantly just raised my hand up just a little tiny bit. And I was like, ah, he'll never see me. I'm way in the back. And he saw me, and he goes, oh, come on up. And it was like the place erupted in, in cheers and, and everything. And I, all of a sudden, I just felt like, man, I'm, I'm right where I need to be. You know, I need to be around uh, people that understand it because most, most normal people don't understand kind of what it's like. Because the idea of just stopping is not in the cards for an alcoholic, you know, as far as, well, I can't just have a couple. Um, so anyway, I did the evaluation and, um, they just said, you know, it seems like you got a pretty good handle on it right now. Why don't you just keep doing what you're doing? And if you, um, yeah, if you slip up or you feel like you're going to slip up, then we can talk rehab and different things. But right now I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. Okay. Um, and I think that's rare. Um, yeah. and it's not a testament to me or anything like that. It's just, it, that's what worked for me. And that's rehab is what works for a lot of folks and i'm just fortunate that i you know had a pretty good handle on it but it all has to do with the support system that i had a lot of people don't have that yep um so i just kept going to AA regularly and um that was so um so really the outpatient treatment it was more just going to AA meetings and that part of it and just family support yep yep and i had um i mean my dad was was a really good resource for that. Um, you know, he's he'd been through it. I've got a cousin that also has, and um, another cousin now too. So um, we've got kind of a long history of alcoholism in my family, um, and so I have a pretty keen understanding of it. I think, um, but but that was what worked for for me, I guess. But. Yeah. Oh, great. I, I appreciate you both sharing your story and just being uh, being here. Um, Rachel, what did that look like on your side as far as, I know we talked a little bit about where you were and then just, you knew that this time was different, but, um, mm -hmm. so knowing that that 
point was different. What did that look like days, weeks after that moment where you're like, okay, this is different. And what, how, what were your next steps there? It was hard. Um, like I said, how many times has he told me, you know, handful of times I'm done, I'm going to quit. I'll quit for you. You know, I don't need this alcohol. Um, so finding trust in him again was very hard and it took a very long time. Um, I just kept waiting for that next slip up that next time. Uh, we did some marriage counseling for short periods of time, which was great. Um, I wish we would have continued doing that and I would encourage people to continue or to begin to do that, um, for the spouse side of it too. Uh, just because, you know, Ryan is there figuring himself out, which is great. Um, and then it's life goes on. Life is busy, right? You're working full time. You've got kids. You've got everything else going on. So um, just it took time definitely to uh, gain that trust back. And I know your faith played a big part in this whole thing. So mm-hmm. do you want to talk a little bit about some of the things that 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 helped with or how that looked from your perspective? Yeah, so. We both grew up in Christian homes, um, you know, in, in Beersford, but I was not a good Christian by any means um, at that point in my life. Um, it was, so I, I hunt and fish a fair amount, uh, probably, probably more so than I deserve. What do you think? But um, so it was, I quit on September 21st was my last, uh, my last drink. And it was, I think, September 28th that year. Um, where I, I was going to go bow hunting. It was opening day of bow season. And um, so my dad had a hunting blind out in uh, this field on the middle of this field by Beersford. And so I was going to go sit in that, and, and I walked through this, through mud. It was really wet that year. Walked through mud up to my ankles the entire way, and it was in the dark, which everything's scarier in the dark, and I don't <laughs> care how strong you think you are, how, how whatever. Anybody that hunts knows it's always scary in the dark. Uh, but... So I got out to my, to this blind and, and the key was supposed to be in a certain spot and it wasn't there. And I was just mad as a hornet, you know, it's like nothing, I'm, nothing's going right here. (laughs) You know, I, all I want to do is go sit with my bow, maybe see a deer. I don't care if I do. Um, so I decided I was just going to sit on the side of the, on the ground. Um, and then it started raining and I tried to pry the door open. It wouldn't budge, wouldn't budge. So I went back, sat down on the ground, and the mosquitoes started getting really, really terrible. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to try this one more time and see if I can get this door open. So I'm, like, literally out of the movies, I get my credit card out of my wallet, and I'm trying to, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't work, you know, that apparently, unless you know what you're doing. But um, it didn't work, and so I was just defeated. And um, actually prior to that, I, I kind of after two or three times of trying to to get the door unlocked I started raining and that's when I decided okay this is it and I I literally put my arms out I looked up in the sky and I asked God why you know why are you doing this to me I here I'm trying to turn my life around I'm trying to do the right thing and and um at that time I didn't have a lot of conversations with God um in my life um but at that point I just it was I was at the at the bottom where I could thought I could go and of course he didn't come out with some megaphone and say well here's what you need to do yeah. ryan um but i said well i'm gonna try this door one more time so i tried it and it didn't work and there's like f- three little steps that lead up to this door in this old wagon that dad built a blind out of and i was there's no railing or anything and so i'm i got my bow in my hand and i had my hand on the door uh, on the doorknob i was just going to go back to my truck and go home because it, i just couldn't be out there um and so i was barely touching this door handle 
And I get to the bottom step right before I'm getting ready to jump off, and I kid you not, the door opened. The door just pushed open. <laughs> I, I can't explain. Well, I can explain it. I know yep. exactly what it was. Um, but at that time, I got my whole body just, like, covered in goosebumps, and I'm like, this is weird. Like, is somebody in here? And so I got in there, and I sat down, and I just I just started crying. I was by myself in the middle of a field. And um, at that time, I kind of knew, like, okay, you know, God is God's here. Um, you know, he's been, he's been chasing me a long time. Um, and, but I finally, no, there it was, there he was. And so I was able to just to sit and kind of reflect on where I was at with everything. And, and since then our, you know, I think my faith in particular, yours is always, um, I don't know that yours has really wavered like mine has in the years past, but, um, uh, so it's just been instrumental in, in, I think, everything we do nowadays, you know, just how we treat people, how we treat each other. Um, and it's helped out a lot. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I think it was shortly before, it must've been shortly after. Um, I would always make Ryan go to church with me, um, went to embrace, of course. And I, it seemed like he would just go through the motions just to make me happy. Right. We'll go to church. We'll go to church. Um, one Sunday they had played reckless love leaves the 99 and it was so resonating to ryan to uh, have that song and that's kind of i don't know one of the main songs that i think of when i think of ryan's story is um you know god still cares about you just yeah. because you are at the bottom and you are an alcohol were an alcoholic yep. um you know he brought you back up which was so neat to see um he now runs a Tuesday night group, we can talk about that more later, but that, and then was it last year or two years ago, we decided to get baptized together mm-hmm. um, around Easter time, which was so cool. I mean, if you would have told me five, 10 years ago, this would be happening, I would think the world would end before this would <laughs> yeah. ever happen, you yeah. know, that he would be doing these steps. So it's been really, really cool just to have a front row seat in wow. his story and his, everything that he's gone through. Wow. What a great yeah. perspective. Yeah. yeah. So what, what were, so September 28th was the day that he had the experience. Mm-hmm. What kind of difference and changes did you see in him right away or weeks or months later? It was slow. Okay. Um, I was very mad at first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because he decided to quit drinking doesn't mean anything for me because I've heard this before. I've yeah. heard that line. Um, he was challenged multiple times. You know, he wanted to go on a hunting trip out to Colorado with his buddies. And it's like, oh, you're going on a road trip. You're going to be drinking. Um, I don't know if I should even allow this. What do I do? Um, but, you know, then I also looked at the other side of it that this is his time to prove to me that he is serious this time and, and things are going to go forward from here. Um, so having those moments to, you know, very slowly uh, just gained his trust back. And yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, though. I mean, uh, um, the difference between this time and any other time was the other, all the other times I was doing it just to buy time. I knew I'd be able to drink again. You know, once I, once I was able to just gain just enough trust back to get a little, you know, get an inch, take a mile thing. Um, and I was really good at that, um, which was not good, but that was a problem. Um, this time was a lot different. Rach and the kids were certainly a motivation for me, but it was, it was more, it was my decision, and I think you know anybody that's talked to anybody with an addiction, it's got to be their decision, or it'll never work. And and it just so happened that um, God put that on me before uh, before Rach had said, "Hey, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm I'm just I'm done, done." You know, and so um, in a lot of respects, and I've I've said this many times, um, in a lot of respects, I had the easy job. 
Um, you know, all I had to do was clean up my own act um, a little bit. And granted, it's not like it's just a walk in the park. But when I came, when I finally got to that point, then it was relatively, relatively easy. Um, getting to that point was not easy. Uh, but where the um, where I think it a really underserved, under acknowledged part of this puzzle is like Rach, for example, I know she doesn't want a bunch of accolades over the deal, but um, the the fact is she had the hardest job. She had to raise two kids while, you know, I was just a buffoon, basically. Um, she has to get over the trust factor, there, and there's just a multitude of different kind of layers of that onion that, um, that honestly, I don't know that I would have been able to, I, I couldn't have probably done that, what she did. Yeah. Um, so that's why I say when in a lot of ways I had the easy part or easy job. Um, it, it's so true cause it's so hard on addiction is so hard on loved ones and family and people that are close to you. They care the most about you. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take another break uh, and we'll be right back. This week's episode brought to you in part by Meadowland Financial Group, LLC. Reimagine your financial plan with Meadowland Financial Group. Their purpose is to focus on your finances so you can focus on life. You can find them online at MeadowlandFinancialGroup.com or call them at 605-371-2258. Quick pause. We appreciate you listening to this week's guest on the Mandate Podcast. To support the Mandate Podcast, please, if you like this episode, share it with a friend. Also, like and subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at MandatePod or shoot us an email at Mandate.Pod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Okay, we're back. Um, And just thank you again for both of you sharing wanted to just talk about just the past seven years now that it's been since that September 28th and some change, of course, now that we're in March. But, um, and it's just neat. I just appreciate you both being such a great testament to what, what, um, what this can look like uh, and the support that Rachel can have for Ryan. And, and as you go through and how, how important and vital it is to have um, just a strong champion or cheerleader and, and support person with you and how that can feed into the success. So, um, anything else you want to share, Rachel, as far as like, you know, current struggles or ups and downs and just those things? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Ryan has been sober for seven years now, which is awesome. Um, but also too, I don't want, um, we don't want to come across as, oh, our, our marriage is so perfect and life is so great. And we have four kids, like social media shows all the time. Right. Um, you know, we definitely have our struggles and marriage is hard for anybody and, you know, marriage, then you add kids and, and work and everything on top of that. Um, but once you take the alcohol out of the picture, um, the fights that we have, the arguments we have, the disagreements are, are nothing, you know, you can talk through them, you can reason through them. Um, knowing now that it's not the alcohol talking through him, you know, where back we would have fights and it would be, you know, he, he would say that it was me, you know, he'd always turn it back on me. And we always had that feud and that disconnect where now, you know, it's, we can connect with each other on such a different level. Um, having church as a resource as well. Um, like we said, we go to embrace and absolutely love going to embrace and, and the support that we've had through the church as well. Yes. Embrace has been awesome for us. I, I think if you would have, 
if you would have told me 10 years ago that one of my best friends would be the pastor of a ch- my church, I would have said, no, I kind of doubt it. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, just uh, nothing against them. But no, it's been it's been awesome. Um, you know, the uh, I think one of the one of the common misconceptions that a lot of alcoholics and addiction folks with addiction have is, you know, would, OK, I'm going to quit and I'm going to I get a parade of all these wonderful yeah. praises and everything from the people that I've hurt the most for years, sometimes decades of, of abuse, if you will. Um, and it's, it's just not that way. Um, it, and it shouldn't be, you know, I mean, think about it. Um, of all the kind of heartache that I that I caused, not only rage but other people around me, uh, my family primarily, that stayed up late worrying about me. I mean, it takes time to heal those wounds, and then I think there's still um, uh, there's probably still wounds that that haven't kind of scarred over yet. Um, and and it, it, time will time will heal hopefully. But um, the church has been just a, a wonderful resource for us. Um, just a good community of people. And I, so whether it's Embrace or any other church, I would definitely encourage people to go f- to find a church that they can feel comfortable in. Yeah, and I think it's really neat too how, you know, just through through all this, you, you two have been able to help others through this as well. And um, talk a little bit about your small group and the things that you've uh, kind of gone through over the last seven years and the people you've helped there. Yeah, so um, about a year and a half ago, we started a, a group that meets on Tuesday nights in tea, uh, myself and another guy um, that... Uh, he's, he's just an awesome guy too. Um, uh, really interesting story. Um, but he's been sober now about four years. Um, and so I was talking to Travis Waldner about, you know, maybe using embrace as, as just to use the space. It's not tied to embrace. It's Mm -hmm. not an embrace group or anything, but, um, and so I was talking to him about things like, yeah, I think that'd be a great idea. Unbeknownst to me, uh, Chris Rollman was talking to Jason Smith about it, which is the associate pastor at NT. Um, I don't know if that's the right title for him or not. Sorry if it's not Jason. But um, anyway, uh, so at the same time, we were both talking to different people about it, and all of a sudden, Jason and Travis started talking. I said, "Well, I'm talking to Ryan Bach about this. Well, I'm talking to I'm talking to Chris Rollman. Oh man. Well, so anyway, then the idea was born that we were going to have a support group on on uh, ended up being on Tuesday nights where. It's just supposed. To, our goal is to have uh, um, a safe place for for people to come and not feel judged, um, whether they're whether they're a minute sober, whether they're not sober at all, whether you know they got a decade in, um, and just for to get away from some of the stereotypes of. Uh, I think a lot of folks don't go to AA because they're afraid of what they're going to find and, and what the stigma kind of that goes along with it, and so this is more of a. Um, our, our hope is just people can come gather, have conversation, laugh a little bit, um, be able to relate to each other's stories and, and kind of um, help each other through some of those difficult times. And so yeah. we've had, I mean, close to 200 people come through the doors in the last year and a half, um, which we're, we think is pretty, pretty neat. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, we meet every Tuesday night at uh, 8 o'clock this time of year, and then in the summertime we go to at 9 o'clock. Very good. we got to facebook page called t recovery that people can find out information on the group if they're ever interested very good very good uh one more thing i want to touch on is everyone's story is different there's no cookie cutter and i'll be all this is what worked for us um timing just happened to be great for ryan and i that things worked out um i just don't want other spouses if they have left their spouse um due to addiction or something or if they're in an abusive relationship um to try to stick with it that's Mm -hmm. not what we're trying to encourage by any means um 
you know, definitely find help, um, see a counselor, have someone you can confide in to talk to, um, just so that it's not so overbearing for them at the time. Yeah. Thank you for that. That, mm-hmm. that I think mm-hmm. that's very important as well is that, that every situation is the same. So, yeah. um, I'm really thankful for you too, and really thankful for you to um, be on the show. Um, if there's, uh, there's no doubt going to be people that want to reach out and just ask questions or maybe connect, uh, what's the best pay- place to connect with you, you two, if, if you were to? Facebook, email. Um, I'd be happy to visit with anybody that, that wants to talk mm-hmm. about it. I think Rach would too. Absolutely. Otherwise, yeah. you can certainly reach out to um, Mandate and we can connect you with the box as well. Um, just also wanted to just encourage everybody just to, you know, another th- other thing that you had mentioned, just marriage counseling and just getting the help that you need, whether it be even if it's through addiction or marriage counseling or whatnot. So um, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, but thank you again for coming on and we'll see you next time on Mandate. Mandate does not exist without your continued support or the fact that you, KPP, keep pressing play. Another great episode of the Mandate Podcast is behind us. But here's something you can look forward to. Check out next week's podcast. Also, like and subscribe. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. Find us on Instagram at MandatePod. Or send us an email, mandate.pod at gmail.com. Who knows? We might reference your email or call you out in episode. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash mandatepod. There's three easy ways to support monthly basis, and all of the funds go right back into this podcast. KPP, keep pressing play. See you next time on Mandate.